Welcome into the MLB Extras Mets podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Anthony DeComo, recharged after a vacation and back to the podcast we go. Uh, Anthony, on the podcast this week, we're going to start talking about this starting rotation. Uh, looks like a good one on paper. Of course, the always um, looming question for the Mets starting rotation is, will everybody be healthy? So we'll get into that a little bit. But the team has also added to the infield with the addition of Jed Lowry. He was officially introduced on Wednesday as we record this podcast on Thursday. So let's start with that addition because Jed Lowry is a guy that I, I think his career is, is kind of fascinating. Um, he was kind of a fringe guy. Then he's always been kind of a fan favorite everywhere he's been. And he's just gotten better and better as his career has kind of gone along to the point where he was kind of a, a sought-after um, player this offseason and the Mets able to get in there plug him in the only question now I guess is how does that infield all shake out because there's a lot of different players to to figure out positions for yeah absolutely and uh you know it's the phrase that every Mets fan hates to hear and they hear it every year which is it'll work itself out because it always does uh you know they're looking at Jed Lowry as an option at third base an option at shortstop, and an option at second base, which is where he's played most of the past couple of years. Now, obviously, the Mets have Robinson Cano at second base, and they're not currently looking to move him off that position, although ultimately Cano might play some first. Uh, so that means, you know, Robinson Cano is in his mid-30s. He's going to need a day off every week. Jed Lowry will be that guy to play second on those days. Ahmed Rosario, the Mets kind of gave him a day off every week late last year, and they liked the results. Jed Lowry will be the guy to fill in at shortstop when that happens. And then third base is the most interesting position only because Todd Frazier is coming off a year in which he was twice on the disabled list and, and really, uh, with the out, exception of, of April, didn't do a whole heck of a lot. Certainly not what the Mets expected when they signed him to that deal, that two-year deal last February. So does Jed Lowry kind of supplant Todd Frazier as the starter at third base? Uh, certainly possible. The Mets have already talked about using Frazier over at first base which in, which in turn depends upon what happens with Peter Alonso. Does he make the team out of spring training? What happens with Dominic Smith? Does he make the team out of spring training? So lots of moving parts here. And Jed Lowry kind of gums up the works in many ways. Uh, but the bottom line is this is a good player. This is a guy that the Mets want to have in their lineup pretty much every day and will find a way to get in their lineup pretty much every day. He's not the one who's going to hurt for playing time. I think you're going to look at Todd Frazier and Dom Smith and, and maybe Peter Alonso and, and Jeff McNeil is the most interesting part of this, maybe, because he's going to go to the outfield. So they'll find a way to make it work, but someone in that mix is probably not going to be all that happy with his playing time when it all shakes out. And we will talk about more of all of that when we get around to the infield breakdown on this team at some point between now and the kickoff of spring training. Um, I mentioned that the introductory press conference was Wednesday. Uh, we have a little audio from that as well. So you're going to hear Brody Van Wagnon. And then you're going to hear Jed Lowry as well talking about uh, this move from, from their two perspectives. Here they are. As many of you have heard over the course of this offseason, we've had some very specific agenda items that we wanted to address as we went out to, to build this roster. Uh, offensively specifically, we've talked about increasing our run production. We've talked about adding depth to our lineup, creating versatility, and creating balance on both sides of the plate, particularly from the right side. Needless to say, Jed is one of those rare players that checks all of those boxes. He's even more of a rarity when it comes to decision-making 
because our entire front office was on the same page in wanting to bring this player aboard. You know, from our leadership team, starting with Jeff, to Omar and Allard and Jared and Adam and Ian and David Wright and Ruben Amaro, the entire, the entire group, John Rico, the entire group from the beginning said, this is the perfect player for this roster at this, at this time. First off, I want to thank the Wilpon family for the opportunity, Jeff, um, the entire Mets organization, Brody. Um, like you said, didn't think we'd be sitting in this position uh, 20 years ago. Uh, I'd like to thank my wife, Mylesa, my kids back home, and uh, the rest of my family. Uh, it's just a, a really cool opportunity. I'm excited to be here and to be a Met. It's been an aggressive offseason here, and um, you know I, I think a lot of the moves that led up to, to us, you know, kind of rekindling uh, in the new year uh, helped make this decision easier. You know, Jed would have the ability to play second base. He would have the ability to play third base, and he would be able to play shortstop. I envisioned him being able to do all three on a semi-regular basis in terms of which position it is, but he's going to be in our lineup virtually every day. He, he's going to hit in the top of the order. His switch hitting ability, hitting in front of Cano and after Nimmo potentially as we configure, start to configure the lineup, I think is something that's really attractive. One last thing coming out of that for you, Anthony, and that is uh, one thing Brody said I thought was interesting was that everybody was on the same page uh, that this was a guy to go get. And I think that's something that people don't always think about is that when you're in a front office, there's a lot of different minds at work and opinions. And eventually, obviously, Brody has the, the final say or unless it goes up to the Wilpons, but there, there's a... Uh, there's different levels, but in this case, everybody thought this was the perfect guy, and it says a lot about who Jed Lowry is. Yeah, and, and when you talk about him being the perfect guy, I think it's more offensively than defensively. A switch hitter, a uh, guy who's hit 260, 270 pretty consistently throughout his career, and late in his career has added quite a bit of pop. 23 home runs last year, that was a career high. Uh, drove in 99, and, and the Mets just love him, the idea of him as their number two hitter behind Brandon Nimmo in front of Robinson Cano, uh, you know, switch hitters. So on those days you're facing a right-hander, you're really stacking the top of that lineup with good quality left-handed hitters. And on days when you're facing a lefty, Jedward Lowry could flip around, stay in that two-hole from the right side. And then, you know, you have Wilson Ramos, you have Todd Frazier, you have some of these other right-handed bats that you can put higher in the order. So they like the versatility that he gives them offensively. And then again, defensively, they will find to make it work. Uh, someone will hurt for playing time, but Jed Lowry is not going to be the one. All right, let's move on to the starting rotation. And I mentioned it, injuries and health. That's always the concern. If this team is going to be as good as it can be, it'll be led by the starting rotation, and they're going to have to get a lot of starts. I think an encouraging thing to look at when you look back on 2018, obviously Jacob deGrom won the National League Cy Young Award. He was great. Uh, Syndergaard was great when he was starting. He made the 25 starts around a few times on the disabled list. Um, but then... The end of the year is what stands out to me. Zach Wheeler's numbers down the stretch, really impressive. Uh, Steven Matz didn't win a game in September, but his ERA in the mid-twos. And Jason Vargas, also really good basically after the All-Star break as far as the fifth starter goes. If you can take second-half Mets starting rotation and stretch it out through all of 2019, it's a heck of a staff. Yeah, if you can do that, it's probably the best staff in baseball. I mean, I, I think you're probably underselling Zach Wheeler, Tim. Uh, his last 11-12 starts, he was uh, not just really good. He was maybe the best pitcher in baseball. The numbers were DeGrom-esque. 
Uh, I'm looking at it right now. His last 11 starts, he had a 1.68 ERA with about a strikeout per inning and walking nobody. So it was it was really impressive to see. Obviously, Jacob Degrom did what he did. Uh, Steven Matz was you know hit or miss, but he stayed healthy, and that was probably the most important thing for him. And then Noah Syndergaard was hurt for a lot of the year, but when he was healthy, he was really really good as well. Uh, so that top four, I think, you know, you can put up with the top four of anyone in baseball and at least make an argument that the Mets have an advantage there. The question is, as it always is, how healthy will they be? And, and I phrase it in that way because someone will get hurt. That's just the nature of the thing. But who is it? How bad is the injury? How long does it how much does it affect this group? Uh, because, you know, they could probably deal with the loss of one of those four guys. Two of those four guys, maybe not. The, the big question in my eyes with this rotation is the depth behind those top four. You have Jason Vargas, who had just a miserable first half and a pretty good second half. What will he give you in, 28, in 2019? Uh, you have Seth Lugo, who is probably your, your number six starter, but the Mets have said time and again, they want him in the bullpen. They like him in the bullpen. They think he's most valuable in the bullpen. So how much does he impact the starting rotation? The same for Robert Gesellman, who's probably even more entrenched in the bullpen than Lugo is. And then beyond that, you've got a whole bunch of question marks. You've got Corey Oswalt, who, uh, you know, like Vargas, was not that great for a lot of the season. And then finally started pitching consistently, getting a consistent turn toward the end of the year and was much, much better. Um, you know, there's just not a lot there once the, once you get beyond those top four guys. The Mets are pointing to Hector Santiago, a veteran who they signed earlier this offseason as depth. Um, and I imagine he's going to get quite a few starts in 2018. The past three seasons, the Mets have used 12 starting pitchers in each one of those seasons. It's a pretty good bet they'll use at least 10 or 11 again this year. So uh, where do they turn first uh, if someone gets hurt, when someone gets hurt, is, is going to be the major question for this rotation uh, throughout this season. What do you think the approach will be? Cause I know they've done different things in spring training to get these guys healthy, letting them wait a little longer before getting going. Um, what is the approach in your mind to, to do the best they can from a team perspective to keep these guys healthy? I mean, obviously injuries happen and there's nothing you can do to avoid them, but it seems like different teams do different things to try. Yeah, and this was the big talking point or the big uh, organizational focus one year ago was this team totally revamped its its training tactics, its medical tactics. They made a bunch of hires. Uh, Jim Cavallini, they hired as their as their overseer of sports science and medical management and all of that, uh, you know, big fancy title. And, and by and large, it worked. I, I think the Mets were healthier last year than they have been in a long, long time. And you look at guys specifically, Zach Wheeler, and Steven Matz, guys who could never stay healthy in the past, and really did. Wheeler was remarkably healthy throughout the season. Uh, Matz, the same. Uh, you would have wanted a little more consistency-wise out of his performance, but he was healthier. That's the big thing. Uh, Noah Syndergaard was the one guy who went down for a while, and he kind of had a laundry list of things go wrong, from that forearm strain to the uh, foot and mouth disease and some other illnesses that he had. Uh, I think the Mets are, are pretty optimistic that he can be healthier and that there's nothing wrong with his arm, certainly going into 2019. So uh, I, I think they did a pretty good job of it, and they're going to try and look to maintain that and do more of that and, and to make sure these guys' mechanics are in shape and their training regimens are in shape. But they kind of have that track record now where you can say, all right, we're not going into a season thinking, you know, what's going to go wrong. We, we have a pretty good idea that these guys can be healthy because we've seen it now. So I, th I think it's just more of the same for the Mets in that regard. Uh, but – 
as you said, it is pitching. Uh, it is starting pitching. It is a bunch of guys who throw really, really hard. And, and no matter what you do, at some point, someone will get hurt. So how do you respond to that? And DeGrom, you would expect maybe not as good as he was last year because it's hard to imagine another season like that happening for a guy, um, no matter how good he is. But but there's no reason to think he won't be close to those levels and, and contending for another Cy Young Award. Yeah, what, 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 look, what Jacob DeGrom did last year has only been done five or six times in the last half century. So I don't think anyone expects him to repeat it. But if you get 80% of what he did last year, you still have one of the best pitchers in baseball. And uh, I think certainly he can improve upon the win-loss record just by default, just by going out there 30-plus times. He almost has to win more games than he did last year. So, look, this is this is one of the best players in, in baseball in his prime. I don't think there's any doubt that Jacob Grom can go out and, and compete for another Cy Young Award, be one of the best pitchers in the National League, and really anchor this staff going forward. All right, it's going to be interesting, and I think Mets fans will spend uh, much of the season hopeful with their fingers crossed that this team will, will stay healthy and these starters, for the most part, can get out there and make their starts. And, and if they can, this Mets team looks like it'll pre- be pretty good, at least on paper. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Stay with us for the rest of the offseason as we will go position by position, getting you ready for spring training as the Mets get ready for the 2019 season. For Anthony DeComo, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for tuning in.